Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. What a week for Welsh politics. After many months of will they, won't they's, we finally have a deal. A cooperation agreement between Plaid Cymru and Welsh Labour on 46 policy areas. But what does it mean for Wales? Joining me to talk through his recent interview with Cymru's comeback kid, Adam Price, we are joined by the National's Chief Political Commentator, Theo Davis-Lewis. Hi, Theo. Hi, Matt. So you've recently conducted a couple of big interviews with some high-profile Pride Cymru figures. But before we get on to your interview with Adam, can we talk a little bit about your interview with Ian Wynne-Jones? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was an interesting one. And obviously, Ian's had his autobiography come out, which you know, was a really interesting read. And he's done it, and obviously, with, when these things happen, whether it's a book or it's a political event, whether they're on the front line or not, you know, politicians do quite a lot of interviews. Um, and I hope to think that my interviews are, are relatively probing and interesting and a bit different. Uh, and I thought, you know, going into that interview, yeah, and obviously wanted to talk about the One Wheels government and that sort of thing. But I think it is quite well rehearsed, to be honest with you, because, you know, everyone everyone will ask the same sort of questions. Uh, what is most interesting? And of course, uh, headline grabbing is is what he thinks about the party now and uh, how it's operated over the last six to 12 months. And I think what was obviously what a lot of people caught on to in that interview was that the strategy during the election applied Cymru, specifically the independence question was a mistake, uh, which obviously is, is addressed in this interview with Adam that I did this week. Uh, but I think it just does show you that Actually, on the big fundamental question, I think I'm probably come on to it. I think it's the big fundamental question, as always, for Plaid Cymru. There are disagreements about the strategy, and I don't think that will that will ever end really for the party. So, did you directly tell Adam about this interview with Ian? Yes, I did. I said, do you um, you know agree with? I mean, I think he actually had read it. I mean, if he was properly briefed, I think he would have read it. But you know, I did say, you know, did, did he agree with his comments that the pledging on a referendum in the first term of applied Cymru government was a mistake? And Adam said he didn't agree. Of course, he respectfully disagreed. I think was the was the phrase that he used. And I think what was interesting about that exchange that we had uh, in a very cold Llandaff fields with very bright trainers, which I'm very grateful that Kerry is actually not on the podcast to make fun of me for those trainers. Uh, but what was interesting about that exchange was that he was very adamant, Adam Price, that it wasn't a mistake. When we're speaking now, Matt, we're still waiting for a lot of the findings from David Tristan, the former party chair, to come out in terms of what happened in that election, what were the mistakes and so on. But Adam Price is very adamant that that wasn't the major element that damaged the party electorally, which meant they didn't advance, you know, beyond, uh, didn't advance significantly beyond uh, their usual heartlands. And for him, you know, he was saying, and I think this is obviously an insight into Adam's own political ideology, that he joined Plaid Cymru because he he believes in self-government for Wales. And obviously over time for Plaid Cymru, that's meant different things, you know, even from you know, comparing Saunders Lewis and Gwynvar Evans and, or David Wigley, David L. Uh, it's, it's always very, very different. And for Adam Price, of course, that's very definitive now. And I think for most of the party, it's quite definitive. But how they get there, I think that's obviously the, the big question for them. You mentioned the, the Tristan review beyond the vague idea that it's coming do we have any more details of when we can expect to see that well i certainly haven't haven't had any details i mean he did so adam did reference this and he has referenced it in a few interviews that he's done but i i mean for as far as i understand it they were, i was expecting it back in september um to be honest with you so i you know i haven't seen anything with it uh, i know people that have contributed to that to that report and you know in this interview with adam you know he touches upon how 
there are issues identified in terms of the electoral machine with implied Camry, bigger strategic questions. But, you know, I think there's obviously going to be that discussion over the party conference this weekend, uh, and obviously superbly timed to have two nationalist party conferences in Scotland and in Wales. And just before I came on, Matt, uh, was reading some commentary uh, around the SNP conference. Obviously, they're at a different stage in terms of the journey to independence than, than Plaid Cymru and Wales is. But even there, there's still that looming question, how do they get to a referendum? And of course, uh, as we'll probably talk about, you know, Wales won't, Wales won't go before Scotland in terms of that. So there's still a lot of a lot of matters, which I think whenever you interview lots of Welsh nationalists, you always feel slightly there's something missing. And I think in terms of the scrutiny of the party and the election, I mean, Adam Price, you know, so you get an impression, your listeners get an impression, really didn't want to talk about the election when he kept sort of joking, I'm trying to trying to move you forward to talk about the future deal. Uh, and I said, well, we've got to talk about the past first. And yeah, it's clear that it is, that, that review, you know, will show a lot of failings, you know, things to be optimistic about. Uh, but again, you know, it shows electorally over the last 20 years, Plaid Cymru really haven't advanced, as yeah, Edwin Jones touched upon as well. The party machinery has really, really not advanced significantly enough to make to make grounds that they would have liked to have done. Do you think it's a case that Adam hasn't really fully appraised the result of the election and his role in the rather disappointing result? Or do you think it's a case that he has appraised it, realised it was a lot to do with him and as a consequence doesn't want to talk about it? That's a really, really good question, actually. And I think the impression I had from speaking to him uh, was that he was very uncomfortable talking about the election and didn't want to, and he said to you, doesn't, doesn't, didn't want to talk about it. Uh, and I think the positioning of it from his team and, you know, the strategist as a presidential election was obviously a mistake. He's intelligent enough to realise that you know, I, I, I personally think it was was wrong for him to pledge that referendum specifically. Uh, but he did throw it back to me and said, well, if I hadn't done that, uh, you would have all said, why didn't you play your Trump card and put the referendum up there? So we can disagree with, you know, on those points. I think Adam definitely, just because of the man he is and the, the politician he is, is very, very, very intelligent, probably one of the most intelligent in Welsh politics uh, over the last few years, you know, would realise his role in that. But again, I think this is interesting just where Yayan and Adam would have agreed. You know, Yayan was quite firm as well that you can't just blame the leader. And obviously lots of those election results we saw were down to wider problems within the party machinery. And Yayan was talking about how, you know, he had tried to set up a national campaigning framework in 1999 for Plaid Cymru and that hadn't gone anywhere. But you are right that, you know, you have to ask the question about how it was, how Adam Price specifically was positioned during this election. And you were obviously we've talked a lot about on these podcasts uh, about, you know, what's gone wrong, what's gone right for nationalists in Wales. I think your question has made me think that we really haven't discussed it too much about, you know, what actually happened. And Plaid Cymru now very conveniently, of course, with this uh, cooperation agreement, um, with this remarkable comeback have kind of are hoping i think to sweep it under the rug quite slightly because all you've seen on social media this week you know definitely from the plaid cymru accounts not so much from the welsh labor accounts is that how amazing progressive cooperative politics is and not much talk about well are we going to talk about how you guys get into government in five years time uh and that that i think that tension um will probably come out during the party conference season but if you're a, listen if you're a member of plaid cymru do you want to talk about how you essentially overpromised and underdelivered 
in May, or do you want to talk about how most of your policies in the manifesto, the big ones, are now in the Welsh government uh, program agenda? I, I know what option I would pick. We'll get onto that straight after this question. But you, it's very interesting what you said then about it not all being the leader's fault. Things like party machinery, making sure that there are campaign teams and campaign strategies in place. Does the buck on that not fall with the leader? Is it a case mm. that, although it may not be his fault, it's certainly his responsibility? Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. I think I think Adam Price, um, you know, I think he would have taken stock for his responsibility that he has uh, and would take some of the blame. I think the big problem for Plaid Cymru was the, the lack of talent, actually. I think there wasn't, there wasn't a natural challenger to Adam Price after the election. Uh, it was his first electoral test. Yes, there were unique circumstances. The power of the incumbency of Mark Drakeford, I think, as Adam actually said in the interview, meant that it was impossible to, you know, actually overturn that. But then, of course, it does look a bit silly that he kept saying he was going to be first minister. But then again, of course, if he hadn't said that, it would all be very strange. So there's there's so many tensions, you know, so many contradictions. But you are right, Matt, that I think, you know, over the last three or four years, the hype, as, I, as I've written about, of course, uh, and I wonder, I was wondering what Adam's going to say to me about some of the columns I've written about his uh, leadership of the party. I thought I was going to get in trouble. The hype really hasn't, you know, he hasn't really lived up to expectations and, and the hype uh, so far, you know. And I was doing some reading before I went to see him of when he first became party leader and, you know, the subsequent tensions he had, of course, with his former friend, uh, Leanne Wood. You know, not much has changed really for Plaid Cymru aside from that. I think obviously they've changed slightly on the independence question because now that has come into the mainstream of politics. But in terms of their the development of their campaigning framework and, you know, how they've built their political bases across Wales, that hasn't significantly changed as the election showed. So what I do hope actually happens, you know, when you know, this poll will go out and things may be said, you know, ahead of time, I do hope that the conference for the Welsh Nationalists is, is a time for them to reflect on, you know, what, I'd ha- what has happened. Uh, but again, as, as we'll talk about, uh, it does depend kind of thing. It does depend really what they want to be as a party uh, as well, because if they don't necessarily want to be office seekers, uh, they want to be, you know, policy seekers and vote seekers instead, whatever the whatever the decision they take is, which I touch on with Adam, uh, that will frame how they organise themselves. Uh, so I think, again, yes, there's lots of excitement this week, but... There is still, I think, looming questions for the purpose of Plaid Cymru beyond the basic, this is what we stand for kind of thing. What 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 do they want to do and achieve? One line strikes me from Yeanwin Jones's interview, which I think is quite powerful, that he really didn't agree with being a party that persuades other people to do things for Wales. And this agreement is a brilliant case in point in that. You know, they've decided to follow the same route as they've taken over the last 20 years. But again, it's probably because they want to be a policy-seeking party rather than the party of government. Talking about getting other parties to, to do stuff for you, do you think this cooperation deal and the amount of applied policies which now mm. form the basis for a programme of government have somewhat diminished the disappointment of that, that election result? Possibly. And I think, again, it's a really good question. I think we'll see over the next few days... Um, obviously, we're recording this before the members have voted on it. Uh, I don't think there will be a, a massive surprise there. I think it will probably be voted through, but that's the, the commentator's curse for you, that uh, things go, things get turned upside down over the next few days. I think, to some extent, it does. Uh, 
But again, there's that existential question for them. If they're happy to lose elections, but then get their policies through, fine. So be it, but just be honest about it every five years rather than coming to every election saying we're going to win. I think, listen, obviously this is not, this. I don't think this agreement necessarily will do huge electoral damage to Plaid Cymru in five years. I don't see, you know, seats going from Plaid to Tory or Plaid to Labour as a result of this significantly, uh, like a kind of coalition, like you saw with the Lib Dems in 2015 and so on. What it does, of course, is blurs the lines between Welsh Labour and Plaid Cymru and when does one end and when does the other one begin? And for you know, lots of members, this is exactly what they want. They've got, you know, things like Andy Cymru, you know, discussions about devolving broadcasting free school meals, which was totally, you know, not on the Welsh Labour agenda even a few months ago. I mean, it is quite a remarkable, radical agenda. But again, it is, as Adam says to me in the interview, you know, they're a policy-seeking party and more important than beyond gaining office, more important for them is is independence for Wales. Or that more important, for, I mean, I can't, can't speak for all party members, of course, and Adam, Adam, Adam wouldn't be able to either, I don't think. But for Adam Price, the most important thing is independence rather than being in Welsh government. And that means, of course, you know, having this sort of agreement, which I do accept is a is a is a rare kind of policy focused stepping stone to more distinctive Welsh politics, which we which I think is different personally to other compact agreements or budget deals that we've seen before because of how extensive it is and the timing of it and what's actually in there because of such so many of the big policies applied Cymru driven policies which I think is remarkable so to some extent just to your original question Matt I think it will for some members you know over you know in a good way or sort of overshadow the election result and you know at the end of the day it gives applied Cymru some sort of direction for the next three years but certainly not in a kind of electoral way, because there are still, of course, questions as to, you know, if you're a politician, you want to get re-elected in 2026. And I'm yet to be uh, informed of what the strategy will be and what, what things will look like. But, you know, it could be just more of the same, judging by the history of Plaid Cymru throughout devolution. You've talked a little bit about it. I, I'd be interested to know what your assessment is of the deal, because t- to me, it's being such a significant document that covers such a broad range of areas there is a danger of course that it turns into a wish list but not something that can be delivered upon in Mm. its entirety do you think that if this document is not significantly delivered upon by the end of the three-year agreement term that it will reflect very very poorly on adam and played coming on as a whole that's another interesting question because the delivery element is really the onus is on Welsh Labour because they're really in government. And I know there'll be elements of sort of uh, Plaid Cymru appointed special advisors, I think, you know, to work on the deal, no ministers, et cetera, et cetera. So that's fine. But really, I, there's an element of gambling in the sense that Adam is kind of depending on Welsh Labour to, to follow through as well. Of course, he's got to help them vote it through the Synod. But there is that danger that it isn't delivered. And, you know, this was, I think I referred to in the interview as a kind of Rose Garden moment. Cameron Clegg uh, of Wales was a bit, I mean, Drakeford and Price would probably, um, you know, probably gag at the thought being referred to those two. But, you know, them on the steps of the Synod with this agreement, the, the amount of, the sheer amount of coverage and analysis, you know, how Plaid Cymru has positioned it as a kind of progressive means of operating in Wales, which is, which is totally different, of course, 
uh, to what to politics in England, not so much to Scotland, of course. But there is the danger that this agreement's been signed. Not enough scrutiny is given by Plaid Cymru to, to Welsh Labour. I think the phrase that is now being used, and I think he used it at the BBC today, Adam did, was co-opposition or something, um, which I obviously don't understand. But, you know, it's a really, really, it's a really hard tension. You know, a coalition, I asked Adam this, you know, a coalition was never on the cards and because he, he would never have gone into one in a position of weakness. But again, this is what I try and remind my readers in the interview and sort of discussed with Adam, and we discussed this a bit in the interview, is that obviously there are two parties. It's not just about Plaid Cymru. Obviously, this Plaid Cymru conference is all very exciting, but you've got Welsh Labour there. And, you know, for them, of course, there is an onus for them on to deliver. So, yes, it might reflect badly on Adam, but remember, three years is a very key number because in three years' time, Mark Drakeford will not be the First Minister of Wales. And he is not going to want to finish his career in politics with... 12, 15, 20 of these 46 policy areas covered. He will want that. He would want all of them delivered. And, you know, time will tell to see whether whether they will be. I was going to ask you what you made of the sort of internal governance structures of the deal. We know Plaid have been a little bit concerned about mm. governments and implementation. Uh, we, we know that they'll have two special advisors in government to make sure the work proceeds. Do you think Plaid are right to be wary of Labour? I think so. If you sign an agreement with a with a party, give them a government and give it. I mean, not giving them the policies, but you, there are lots of ideas there, like Andy Cymru and you know lots of these more nationalist kind of policies. You know, they they are putting them into a joint program of government with an opposition party. Uh, you have to be wary. If you weren't, it'd be very very concerning, and that's probably why it's taken so long as well. Obviously, this has been going on for you know, the negotiations. You know, as far as I understand it, for about six months. And they have to be, they have to be weary because otherwise you you don't hold their feet to the fire. I mean, I'm quite interested actually um, more broadly in terms of what happens with this agreement if it ever would collapse, for example. I mean, I don't know what circumstance it would be, um, the wider the wider politics, because obviously, Adam, there's, there's things in there that, you know, the only thing I think the Welsh Conservatives have said right this week um, out of, you know, thousands of sound bites is probably that there's not hardly anything, hardly enough, sorry, on the NHS in this agreement, because I think there are still fundamental differences between parties as to how you manage such a big policy area. But are there areas within this that could cause tensions if Plaid Cymru special advisors report back saying these guys aren't these guys aren't doing anything on this? They are kicking the can down the road. I think then that is very very interesting as to as to how this managed. I mean I mean don't get me wrong. I don't think this is going to be plain sailing for three years. Um, Adam Price will be holding. He, if he was, you know, a sensible politician, which he is, holding Mark Draper's feet to the fire, you cannot necessarily expect Welsh Labour to deliver everything in three years like that. It's going to take it's going to take a lot of hard work. You know, politics changes. You know, the kind of the mantra events, dear boy, events, and you know, we've seen with the pandemic how things how things can shift and how quickly and. It will be something that Plaid Cymru will need to be considering over the next few years. And of course, when we're looking at Mark Drake's departure and all this pro- this programme, you, you can assume is delivered. Uh, what happens next then? Uh, for if Does that continue into 2026? I possibly, I don't know. Uh, but it is a... It is, it is a danger, I think, for, for Plaid Cymru. And, you know, it's not necessarily of a way of giving responsibility over it'll be a continuous negotiation i think for the next three years to get this done can we can see that Plaid and labor are already working quite 
closely together. Uh, I don't know if you if anyone's seen uh, FMQs this week, but it was essentially just Plaid and Labour MS is talking about how good their deal was. Legendary, and, yeah, it was legendary tag team, Matt. Just uh, fantastic. And then, and then Adam and Mark essentially spending their three questions, <laughs> throwing balls up to to bat back at the Tories. But what effect do you think this this deal will have on the levels of scrutiny and accountability within the Senate over the last over the next three years or so? Well, actually, I think that uh, Adam is is comfortable being uh, an opposition politician and scrutinizing Welsh Labour. But, you know, on these 46 policy areas, you know, there's probably not going to be much scrutiny across the, the Senate chamber because they, you're going to have, I mean, you know, you'll obviously have Plaid and Labour backbenchers and so on with different views and asking questions, which I hope would happen. Uh, but then, of course, you have to look at, you know, who's who's left in the Senate as the, as the I mean, I'd say there's the true opposition parties. You've got the, the Welsh Conservatives who are, I assume going to oppose pretty much most of the things you know in here if they don't agree with it, and then uh, Jane Dodds, uh, and we. But we've also seen you know the level of scrutiny we've had over the last week, obviously from the Tories uh, in Wales, has just been absolutely woeful. You know there has been no means of critically engaging with this at all as a constructive party. It's been just tweets saying vote Plaid, get Labour, vote Labour, get Plaid. I mean, there's no intellectual depth whatsoever. You know, the usual sort of lines being trotted out. And that's not the way to be a, a constructive opposition party, I don't think. They do, of course, have, focusing on the Welsh Conservatives, they obviously have an opportunity now to be very distinctive within within the Synod. But again, I think they're in a very difficult position on the other hand, because now you've got a supermajority on broad range on a broad range of policy areas, which you might not agree with, you know, a, a bigger CNF, you know, that's which I think is arguably the most landmark thing uh, within the agreement working towards that. You know, the Welsh Conservatives have got pretty much no hope opposing something like that now. And I think that is where you see you know, the opposition and the scrutiny collapsing. But, you know, you, we obviously have a, we do have underrepresented at the minute, of course, um, you know, synod committees and, and that sort of thing where we'll see all these bills being pushed through. Uh, but in terms of the opposition politicians uh, outside applied and Labour, um, I think they've got a massive hill to climb and they've got to do so, I think. I think they've got to, they've got to oppose this deal, uh, actually in the spirit of, how the deal has been positioned, because I think it is whatever you think of it, and there's not everyone's going to agree, not everyone in Labour implied, I don't think, would agree with everything that's in there. But it does show that the politics in Wales is, is very different to England. And just shouting that this is just a nationalist stitch up, uh, or Mark Drakeford uh, has got his poodle ad and price to do everything. I really don't think that's going to win you votes or win you respect across across the chamber either. Very interesting what you say, because it's an analysis I've heard a lot that. Uh, the Conservatives are not really trying to engage in the substance of the deal. They are more concerned about who has tweeted in support of the deal. But how do you expect them to respond for the next three years? Uh, they, they're going to have to engage in the substance of, of it. And, you know, if you were looking at it through a Conservative uh, ideological perspective, there's surely quite a lot to oppose. I think I think um, obviously the first minister's absolutely cascading speech uh, towards the Welsh Conservative Party was saying it was actually quite devastating. Uh, you know, this week, you know, saying that they deserve to be in the wilderness, and that's why you know they they, they don't deserve to to be near government and so on. Obviously, he made a 
slight mistake and obviously apologised afterwards about right, the letters he had received from um, from the Conservative Party. But we'll you know, let him off for that. But there is, it is a very difficult challenge. I think at the minute, though, there is no agreed strategy, I don't think, beyond, you know, kind of ad hoc bashing Labour and Ply together as a nationalist stitcher. It's the same thing with the Constitutional Commission, even though, as I understand it, they've had a Conservative appointee. On, on the commission panel. So I don't really quite understand the coherent strategy in the long term for this. You know, obviously Andrew RT will be returning to work in the next few weeks, which is which is good news. But again, I think the Welsh Conservative Party since the election, like like Cymru actually, um, haven't really found their feet as to, you know, where do we go from here? Plaid Cambry now, of course, I've got a policy agenda to stick to. The Welsh Conservatives don't really, and I and I think as I've argued with, with you before, I think they are they are missing the the foundation of uh, of intellectual depth of strategy in the long term. You know what is our purpose in Wales? Is it essentially to take orders from Downing Street and then to oppose everything we see in the chamber, or is there a more nuanced way, as I'm sure many of their members would do, that they can scrutinise parts of this parts of this agreement? Uh, but of course, the noise that we hear, the noise the public will hear. Uh, will just be more of the same. And once we think about, you know, the future of the Welsh Conservative Party, I don't think uh, that is the same kind of party as we would have seen, of course, in the first 10, 15 years uh, of devolution. But, you know, maybe they've already, maybe we're you know, too far down that road now. And the party has decided essentially in its own way, you know, we've got two pressure groups. You've got a Welsh nationalist pressure group. You've got a British nationalist pressure group um, in the Synev. And they might, they might have decided that, beyond any sort of strategy they would be much rather sit there and just hammer home you know the cchq messaging uh, for me of course that's that's incredibly sad and i don't think that's a healthy thing for our democracy uh, but then of course with a bigger synod we might see a more diverse uh, set of people coming into the party so we'll have to see me and you Theo, have talked an awful lot in the past about how in order to really start to take the centre ground in Wales, the Conservatives need to be quite a front foot forward pro-devolution party as opposed Mm. to erring on the side of caution. Do you think that this deal runs the risk of energising the devo-sceptic anti-devolution wing of the Conservative Party even more so that you see the Conservative Party lurk towards that part of their potential ideology? I think so, and I think probably now you, you probably see with the party that they we're seeing more of those kinds of messages i mean very subtly anti-devolution messages more kind of it, it just comes across that there's i don't want to say anti-wales but i think it's more kind of just a willingness you know not to engage at all with where wales is at the minute uh, and i think that is of course very very different to the wales that we're seeing develop and i think there is a kind of center center right a role in wales and i think actually uh, not everyone will agree. I think Wales, so many parts of our society is actually inherently small C conservative, actually. Um, and I think that is untapped, uh, particularly if you look at, you know, Welsh, Lab- Welsh Labour's record of delivery on certain policy areas. I think some opinion polls, of course, in the past have shown huge potential for Welsh conservative gains. Uh, but I don't think, you know, now with a with any sort of anti-devolution agenda and the same sort of sound bites as we heard, of course, during the election, you know, that's not going to work. And I think I was so pleased, actually, that didn't work in the election, with and, and particularly the performance specifically 
of the abolish the Welsh Assembly Party because I think there was, as in typical Welsh fashion, uh, lots of melancholic uh, schizophrenia about what could happen. And you know, for me, I don't think any. I, I think devolution is the right thing for Wales. I think it's been. I think it's been a good thing for Wales. There's certainly, like in Scotland as well, actually. Areas of policy that hasn't haven't there hasn't been enough improvement and, and as as was promised, uh, but I think it is inherently a good thing for Wales and I and of course the majority of the Welsh public support that view overwhelmingly. So if you want to be a party that participates in that and tries to win government, as as of course, Yayan was discussing with me that the Conservatives almost did uh, in two thousand and seven. You have to be constructive. You have to think. You know what is our long term strategy beyond. As, as, as Lord Bourne, uh, the former leader, was talking to me for the um, IWA's agenda magazine, beyond talking about pubs opening in across the border in England during the pandemic, you know that is that is not the way to operate in a, in a modern devolved Britain. If you would like to enter government, um, so there is that danger. I, I don't see a, a flagrant anti-devolution uh, strategy being adopted, but I think it's just more the subtle drip drab kind of. You know, this is a nationalist stitch up, you know, the same kind of criticisms. And beyond the fact that I disagree with the sentiment, I actually don't think it's going to work anyway, of course. Um, but again, the interesting thing is um, the extent to which this is delivered, because it has this, this program for government. It has to be delivered, of course, for people in Wales at the next election and looking back at Mark Drakeford's tenure, think, OK, well, these guys are still still, you know, in charge. But again, as we saw you know, in, in the recent election, you know, Wales has immense confidence in the Welsh Labour Party. Uh, and that was, I think, based off the performance of the First Minister throughout the pandemic. In 2026, we can assume, uh, well, I can, I mean, we all hope as well, that, he won't that we won't have to do that in the context of, of COVID. And that'll be much more interesting to see how the people of Wales judge the Welsh Labour Party and possibly Plaid Cymru on how they've delivered policy. And there, therein lies possibly an opportunity for a constructive pro-devolution Welsh Conservative Party in the years to come. Let's talk about the Welsh Labour aspect then. Have you heard anything about the response to this deal from our old friends in the Welsh PLP and more <laughs> broadly in the, the PLP at large? Well, I think, it's, I think it's really interesting. I mean, obviously we had the approval from the 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 working groups of Plaid Cymru and uh, Welsh Labour, I think, whenever it was last weekend, uh, the governance groups, and I think that there was a there was a quote in some of the story where some some of the stories where obviously there was a kind of definitive agreement in in the Welsh Labour group for for this, and the big question, overwhelmingly, I think, always with Welsh Labour and Labour more broadly, is that there's so many different factions. I think obviously some some members of the the uh, Welsh Labour Party in the House of Commons, you know, who arguably would would equate Toryism and nationalism as two evils. And actually, to be fair, Mark Drakeford has done the same in previous comments that he's made because ideologically, you know, I think he said actually nationalism is inherently right wing. So, I mean, when does one stop at the other end for, for some people? Uh, but again, I think look at the response on, on social media if you, you know, aren't speaking to these politicians. All the posts are coming from, you know, or most of the posts are coming from Welsh members of the Synev and, you know, Welsh constituency uh, associations. I mean, I think there is a very distinctive difference between 
the British Labour Party and the Welsh Labour Party. And I actually made this quip uh, as a kind of a half joke, just so people don't think I'm losing the plot, um, as that, that, that Welsh Labour and Plaid Cymru should merge to Adam Price. And I think he almost fell off the bench, by the way, for like the third time during our conversation. And, and he said, oh, well, you know, independence makes it uh, quite a difficult one. But he did make that point, you know, as he, you know, he's obviously got that political nous, uh, you'd expect, that there are many different Labour parties, which is the phrase I think he used. And he sort of referenced, you know, the Blairites and uh, the different, different factions. But you've also then got a very distinctive British Labour Party where I think would feel uncomfortable going into a deal with Plaid Cymru. Uh, but then again, I, I do think lots of them, obviously with, with respect to Mark Drake, but I think a lot of them would still, of course, see Downing Street as the prize rather than the keys to Cardiff Bay, probably because as well, they've already got the keys, they've had them for 22 years. Uh, but more than anything, I think it, the reaction has shown really that the, the Welsh the Welsh Labour Party and those Welsh MPs um, have got different priorities. You know, the crossover between them uh, is is not as not as frequent, I don't think, as as some would some might assume. Uh, but I don't think now, again, because of the distinctiveness there and the le- and the and I think just the respect and, and power that Mark Drakeman has, there is no chance of any kind of more, you know, a British a more British kind of Labour MP in Wales to intervene or or say anything because why why would he or she? Because I think the majority of the Welsh Labour Party. Uh, listeners of listeners of this podcast, I uh, can't believe their luck that you know they've got this deal to basically vote through policies for the next three years unopposed, essentially, uh, which is which is quite remarkable. Where do you think this leaves Keir Starmer and his never-ending battle against nationalism in Scotland? Or to paraphrase uh, Victoria Winkler, who was on the pod earlier in the week, should mm. we simply not care? Well, I mean, <laughs> it depends what depends which way you. Um, lean on the political spectrum i suppose i think i mean i think i saw i think I, it might have been in the sun uh, i don't read the sun very often but it is actually very useful to see you know what the british public at large are reading and i think there was a story there about kia being like neutral on the union or something i think that was maybe it was the sun or some other tabloid uh, which i thought was very interesting and i think there is a very very difficult position for Keir Starmer and I think again just to go back to the Adam interview he did mention as we were talking with the Labour Party you know he said one of the most difficult questions for Welsh Labour and more Labour more broadly is how they respond to the constitution I mean even if you know does does Keir even believe in radical federalism I mean we talk I mean I mean you could probably I mean I don't know how many times radical federalism has been said in this podcast it must be in the thousands but you know there is it's not certain I think this deal for for Kia, again, as we've seen before, I think in in, in other comments that he's made, very reluctant to interfere um, and tread on Mark Drakeford's turf. I mean, I think he, how many days again was the countdown when he when he um, sent a congratulatory, congratulatory post to Mark Drakeford after the election? I think it was like four days, wasn't it, or something? You must have been keeping a tally on, on the Hit Life podcast, but there is a distinctiveness there. And so if you're a Welsh Labour member, I don't think you have to care. The big question, of course, is the big, such a... Adam Price said it was the most pressing or fundamental question in Welsh politics, which was independence. That was, I mean, not everyone would agree with that. But I think you only have to start caring if you're a Welsh Labour member, and of course, if you're Welsh anyway, is when the debate, if possibly when it does accelerate in Scotland and elsewhere, and then you do have to see a coherent strategy from Keir. And if that's at odds with Mark Drakeford, 
or 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 a successor then of course you have a a huge internal problem at the minute they've got away with it uh, but when you know when push comes to shove at that big moment you i mean you tell me matt you know you'd want to see the labor movement united certainly in wales but i mean you don't want too many competing factions across britain otherwise you know you're in real danger of finding yourself in a in a very difficult and sticky constitutional strategy and situation or warring factions is like waking up and eating breakfast in the labor party theo i wouldn't <laughs> worry we're all used to it yeah um thinking more holistically than about the the uk and this deal where, where do you think this puts wales in relation to the other uk nations in terms of the sort of stability of of government and the outlook of those governments in the next sort of well as we're getting to the end of the year let's say in, you know in the next 12 months or so well wales is not like anywhere really in britain anymore as as adam has delighted to tell me they're more like a scandinavian country like you know denmark or norway sweden it's um in terms of the, the priorities we put on things like public services and, and, and the way we do our politics i mean it, it definitely makes us different to our, our friends uh, in the East. And that was the, I think one of the phrases that Adam used that I think wheels will look very, very different to England. I agree with him on that in the next three years, if this is delivered, you know, on free school meals and, you know, the energy companies broadcasting being devolved, you know, if all these things are delivered, um, I think it is, it's a remarkable, uh, just in terms of the policy wheels will be very different. In terms of the way we conduct ourselves, of course, there are parallels with Scotland. But I think just because of the historic tensions between Labour and Plaid Cymru, I think it is quite a landmark. Well, even, in, even in the devolved era, I think there is quite a, it's a remarkable um, agreement. One, as I've said already, I think I do view it differently to the kind of... We know that we, we unlike Israeli's famous maxim, you know, Wales does actually love coalitions. Uh, unlike England. But I think this is different because it comes amidst future debate and conversation about where Wales is constitutionally, which is the only country, by the way, in the whole of the UK that is being constructive about the future of Britain. No other country is doing that. England is not doing it. Scotland is not doing it. And Northern Ireland is not doing it, all for very different reasons. You know, we are, I think, whatever you stand in the political spectrum, having a conversation about our future like no other country in britain is telling government will be stable here in wales uh commentators curse again will strike in about six months time uh but, you know we will see a pro we can we know what to expect really now whereas you know as you've seen in westminster over the last two weeks things i mean things are being u-turned all the time whereas this is quite firm in some ways of course it's very boring now because we know what to expect, but actually it's quite exciting, I think, because there is a continuous focus on Welsh political matters, cooperation, all this, all this fluffy stuff, which we all kind of think, oh, this is marvellous. This, this, the, the shamber is a circle because we all cooperate, which is lovely. Um, but it is also really exciting because you, you genuinely have a government hell-bent on nation-building. Uh, and then I think... The difference we now have is that we've got a government hell-bent on nation-building, but backed up by quite radical left-of-centre policies, which not everyone, you know, I don't agree with everything in there, but I mean, it's just, it's just quite, and it's just quite, I just think it's quite amazing, really, where we've come within the space of not even, you know, forget about the 800-year history, just the last 18 months, I think is just absolutely um, 
absolutely amazing. On that very, very positive note, Theo, very, thank you very much for coming to talk to us. Um, Cymru's Comeback Kid, Adam Price interview is out when? Should be. Well, we're recording on Friday, if I'm allowed to say, the exclusives. Uh, but it's gonna, it should be out tomorrow. But I was just going to say as well, Matt, we never, we, we have to do this all again because I'm never allowed to finish on a positive note. There's always going to be some, <laughs> there's always going to be something where I'm really depressed about and that's going to, I'm really worried. Um, so it's very rare. I think I've only come on the podcast once where I've been quite happy and cheery about the future of Wales. So, I mean, maybe it's something refreshing for your listeners not to hear me complain all the time. So it's a bit different. But if they want to hear you complain, they can find you on Twitter. Where can they find you on Twitter? It's, it's T Davis Lewis. Anna, please follow me, but do not send me any abuse about my trainers like uh, at Kerry the Viking did, which I think is absolutely slanderous and outrageous. Um, so you're very welcome to follow me there for political insight, but no fashion sense uh, from the ankles down, basically. Well, Theo, thank you again for coming on. If you have enjoyed what you've heard this evening, please do not forget to find us on Medium, our Hero Blog Cymru, on Facebook, our Hero Blog Cymru, and on Twitter, our Hero Blog. Thank you for listening to Hero. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review.